Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Tortoise. Hello, it's Basha here and you're listening to the Slow Newscast from Tortoise. This week... A mystery. Because over the last few years, orcas, or killer whales as you might better know them by, have been targeting small boats. Off the Iberian coast, hundreds of vessels have been attacked and several have been sunk, all by the same small pod of orcas. Nowhere else in the world is this happening, and speculation is now mounting that this might be a series of revenge attacks. That perhaps because one orca was hurt by a boat, now the whole pod of them are taking their vengeance. Or is this a bigger kind of fight back? A response to our decades of mistreating our wildlife? Our climate editor, Jeevan Varsaga, has been on the hunt to find out. It starts to the rear of the boat, a streak of white beneath the water. Then a black dorsal fin breaks the surface. It's a bright and windy day in late summer, just off the coast of Portugal, and a French sailboat is being pursued by killer whales. One of the orcas latches onto the boat's rudder. There's a wrenching sound of metal in distress. Within minutes, the sailboat skipper issues a mayday call. In the waters off the coast of Spain and Portugal, more than 500 of these unsettling encounters between humans and killer whales have been reported by sailors since the summer of 2020. There was no moon, sort of light cloud cover, so you couldn't see too many stars at first, and it just felt really dark. And I remember feeling that before, a little bit spooky. Interactions is the word researchers use, because they don't always end badly. Sometimes the animals shove boats forward quickly or spin them around. Other times they bite or strike the rudder, leaving the sailors unable to steer. No one has been killed or injured, but at least five boats have sunk, and the encounters seem to be getting more frequent. It's just ominous, just really ominous, and they're incredibly intelligent creatures. They know what they're doing. I'm Jeevan Varsaga, and this week on the Slow Newscast from Tortoise, why are killer whales attacking boats? Are they just playing, or is it something more sinister? Far-fetched as it sounds, could it even be revenge? Yeah. We appreciate each other. Looks like Willie's got himself a soulmate. To set you free. For years, killer whales were seen as entertaining and adorable. Spot didn't mean any harm. Like Spot in The Little Mermaid. He just loves music so much. Oh. He was just being happy. That hasn't always been fun for the orcas, though. At marine parks, like the ones run by SeaWorld, the planet's biggest predator was held captive and trained to perform acrobatics. 
For decades, there were sellout events where the apparent bond between human trainer and orca was at the heart of the show. Each orca had a name, and the trainers could be seen stroking and kissing the animals. We spent days, weeks, months, years building relationships with our whales. This creates trust. Then, in 2010... Orange County Sheriff's Office. We need SO to respond for a dead person at SeaWorld. A whale has eaten one of the trainers. Dawn Brancho, a trainer at SeaWorld, was dragged underwater and scalped by a male orca named Tilikum in front of a horrified crowd. Tilikum, though, is the one that went after her. Don is the senior trainer here at Shamu Stadium. Blackfish, a documentary made after Brancho's death, asked whether the orcas might be driven to extremely abnormal behaviour, perhaps psychosis, by being held in captivity. The reality is that orcas may be playful, but they're also some of the planet's most efficient killers. They're pack hunters with strong social bonds, smart and agile enough to catch prey as tiny as a shoal of herring, or as vast as a blue whale. Some orcas have even adapted to hunting great white sharks, tearing out their livers. SeaWorld has ended its orca breeding program, and though they still keep some orcas in captivity, the company says these will be the last generation it holds. Public understanding of orcas has primarily been shaped by captive animals and seeing orcas on the big screen, but that is changing. It's in their habitat, not ours, that a new dynamic is forming. No, no, it's fine, it's fine. It will, if I retell this story, it's more realistic. If I'm Question sorry. is, what exactly is happening? Yeah, my name's Theo, Theo Wakefield. I'm a yacht surveyor by trade. And yeah, I sailed my boat last year from the UK to Spain. Theo lives with his partner in southern Spain. When he isn't working, he likes to be out on his boat. Periwinkle is a, is a classic 32-foot yacht, and that's uh, nine, nine and a half metres, 9.7 metres. And a fully grown orca grows to 30 feet. She's a narrow little sailboat, her hull painted royal blue. Inside, living conditions are so tight, the crewmen have to sleep shoulder to shoulder. So you're going to get a feel for the boat. If I come back there, these are called keyhole bulkheads. They're quite cool. They're a real pain to climb in and out of, but they're it's a cool classic design. You've got berths down here at the moment full of marina water to wash in and bottled water to drink. And on a modern boat with its extra width, you, this is usually a double bedroom, but we call these coffin berths. These just basically squeeze in shoulder to shoulder. So, yeah, it's like it was quite a surprise when Pal first came aboard to see that. In late September last year, Theo was out on Periwinkle with a crewman named Paul. They were sailing. In a place called Nazare, which is famous for the biggest wave in the world. There's crazy videos on YouTube of 100-foot waves coming in. We, we'd left there that, that morning. The weather was good, the waters calm. We got to the point where we would turn in and stop for the night and the conditions were perfect and we were very happy. And we were listening to Pearl Jam and having a nice chat and just staring at the waves. It was really nice. And it got quite dark as well. And there was no moon, sort of light cloud cover, so you couldn't see too many stars at first. And it just felt really dark. And I remember feeling that before. A little bit spooky. The men were winding down for the night. Paul went to bed. Theo was on watch. We were doing three-hour watches. And my watch was going to finish in half an hour. Wendy, the wind vane, was still doing the work. 
And so I was just keeping a lookout in the cockpit. And all of a sudden, we hit something, and it felt like we had hit driftwood. It was around half past midnight. The whole boat almost seemed to sort of bounce as if it went over a speed bump. And I looked around, I thought, it's got to be driftwood, it's got to be a fishing pot, it's got to be some, maybe a container. All these things are running through my head. And I looked over the stern of the boat, and I could see all this turbulence, sort of all this phosphorescence of kicking up a sort of bluey, greeny sheen in the water. And it looked for a few seconds like we were dragging something. I couldn't work it out. And then as I was standing there, Periwinkle has a a wheel, which is quite odd for a small boat. And the wheel, quicker than you can imagine, went from full lock to full lock, um, just so violently. And then, of course, at that point, I knew. So I screamed Orcas to to get Powell's attention, which was unnecessary because he had heard like the knock and he was getting out of bed. And then I just waited for those seconds. Honestly, it was like it lasted. The seconds lasted forever. Fuck, what was that? Lost steerage. Okay, emergency tiller. You got any steerage at all? Yeah. Theo had heard stories about other boats being attacked by orcas, but he never expected it to happen to him. Everyone said it was a one in a hundred chance. Now, in the dark of the night, in the middle of the sea, at least four enormous orcas had surrounded Periwinkle. From their sizes, Theo calculated that out of the ones he could see, there were two bulls and a cow with her calf. The two big ones were as long as his boat. Every so often, they seemed to disappear for 10 to 15 minutes, uh, almost like a break. Before returning and violently buffeting the boat in a nerve-shredding assault. We were attacked for three and a half hours from half past 12 at night until four in the morning. And that was arguably three separate attacks. And then within a few minutes, you just sort of settle down into it and just do what you can because you're essentially in fight or flight mode. Trapped on a tiny boat, Theo and Paul felt like they were the orcas prey. And they showed all the hallmarks of behavior throughout you know, the animal kingdom where, where they were showing signs of aggression. So every time they would attack the rudder, they would come up parallel to the boat, always, always level with the cockpit where we were sat. And they would, they would come out of the water and just as their eyes breached the water, they would look straight at us, straight in the eye for a second or two and then go back down. So they were watching us the whole time. And it's just ominous, just really ominous. And they're in- incredibly intelligent creatures. They know what they're doing. Theo rode out the attack until the orcas finally left. As dawn broke, it became clear how much damage the killer whales had done. The boat's rudder was broken, but he managed to get back to shore. Almost a year on from the attack, Theo is convinced that it was deliberate, that the orcas... They were just so determined to destroy it. They didn't want to leave until it was destroyed. So, curiously, you know, we're now thinking about the rudder has to be the strongest part of the boat traditionally, and now, if this keeps happening, perhaps there should be say half of the rudder that should be actually quite weak because the sooner the attack is over, the sooner they think they've done the damage, the sooner they leave you to it. The stronger the rudder is, the the higher the chance that 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 incredible force they're putting on the hull is going to cause damage to the rest of the boat. And if you think Theo's experience was terrifying enough, other sailors have fared worse. Augustin Drillon was a crewman on a French sailboat, Smous, off the coast of Portugal. The crew of Smoose were in a good mood that had fair winds and calm sailing with dolphins swimming alongside. I heard a huge noise at the, the rear of the boat, so I, I came outside to, to see what happened. 
then we we just take a look at the rear of the boat and we saw all uh, uh, the orcas around the, the boat and there were five around five or six orcas then we heard uh, another heavy sound at the rear of the boat and all the boat was shaking they decided to play dead we decided to stop everything on the, on board because we have read a lot of things about orcas interactions and we knew that the recommendation were to stop everything on the boat. But the orcas didn't leave. Uh, one was grabbing the rudder and shaking it and the other one were swimming and then when the one who was with the rudder uh, just uh, go back another one come and so on so yeah it, it started to to get uh, worse when when i heard uh, a huge uh, cracking sound and then i decided to go inside the boat to see what happened and then i saw water coming inside and then i understood that we will we sink as smoose filled with water and began to sink the crew put out a distress call and a larger boat sailing the same route rescued the four men on board. I've spoken to a number of other sailors who have told me similar stories. The first recorded cases of orcas attacking boats began around three years ago. Since then, there have been around 200 a year. Often the boats have suffered significant damage. Before 2020, there were a handful of interactions between orcas and boats. But since that year, a pattern started emerging from sailors' accounts almost all from the same stretch of water from Gibraltar to the Bay of Biscay. Marine biologists have nicknamed the orcas that interact with boats gladis, after one of the early Latin names for the species, orca gladiator. They believe at least 11 juvenile orcas and four adult females are attacking boats. All of them are part of a small and critically endangered population of Iberian orcas. There are probably fewer than 40 left in total. One of the most active orcas is an adult female that scientists call Gladys Blanca, while another, a juvenile female, has been called Gladys Negra, Black Gladys. The younger female has been observed with a laceration to her head and a wound to her dorsal fin. It's possible that she got these from a collision with a vessel. One theory that might explain the orca's behaviour is that they're trying to stop a collision happening again. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Does what's going on in the American election scare and bemuse you in equal measure? Want to know what Biden and Trump are up to without tearing your hair out? Then you need to listen to American Friction, the brand new podcast about the countdown to the big vote in November from the makers of Oh God, What Now?, The Bunker and Paper Cuts. Every Friday, we'll speak to leading experts and blockbuster commentators from the United States to explain the latest news and the big issues behind the vote. That's American Friction with me, Jacob Jarvis. Me, Chris Jones. And me, Nikki McCann Ramirez. Out every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.
So this conversation is actually spot on about my interests. There have been a lot of theories going around about why orcas have been attacking boats, which has been of particular interest to Hannah. My name is uh, Hannah Straker and I'm a marine biologist from Denmark. But I work in Norway. I have specialized in killer whales. And recently, I've also written a book about killer whales called The Killer Whale Journals, which is about our relationship to killer whales. She's noticed three main theories. And one of them is that they are living in a very disturbed environment, full of noise. Uh, the Strait of Gibraltar, obviously, is heavily trafficked by all kinds of boat traffic. And also, they are very polluted. Uh, they are among the killer whales in the world that have the highest load of contaminants. It's believed they are under a lot of stress. And this combination of different stressors have led them to do these attacks. That's one theory. Another theory is that one, maybe more, have had what's called an adverse encounter with a sailing vessel. Perhaps it was even killed. It was hit by a vessel by accident, maybe hit by the, the propeller. And we know propellers can cause great damage to marine mammals. And, and, they, and the rest of the group have turned their anger, their some kind of revenge towards sailing vessels in general. Her preferred theory, though, is play. Uh, the third theory is that uh, they're just playing. They, they are maybe even a bit bored waiting for a tuna to come by. They are tuna specialists. Uh, and meanwhile, they're entertaining themselves with the rudders of passing by sailing vessels. Uh, and once they found out that they think this is kind of fun, they just continue doing it. It's a view echoed by other experts in the field. My name is Eric Hoyt and I'm a research fellow with Whale and Dolphin Conservation in the UK, and I'm also the co-chair of the IUCN Marine Mammal Protected Areas Task Force. Ever since he first worked on a film about killer whales in the 1970s, Eric has been studying the animals. He's in awe of them and their phenomenal hunting skills. So it's, it's been a, a lifetime pursuit. When Hannah and Eric talk about play, they do literally mean play in the way we as humans understand it, but perhaps for a darker reason. Orcas are sophisticated hunters. You know, the fact that they are big carnivores and that they're able to um, hunt in really clever and interesting ways is part of that intelligence. And with that comes play behavior and, you know, other uh, curiosity. You know, I think the mark of, uh, of killer whales is that they're curious about their environment. That's what we always saw when we were out on boats. They'd come over to the side, sometimes very quietly underwater. They'd um, be interested in the bubbles from the propeller. And they would, you know, sometimes poke their heads out of the water right next to you, take a look at you. Then they wouldn't necessarily be interested for the rest of the day. But they have that basic curiosity of a predator, which is in the, you know, that's how they're successful. A clue for Eric is this. The orcas seem to fixate on the boat's rudder. I think this behavior that's happening with the, um, the killer whales biting the rudders, I, th I, I think it started with curiosity. And then I think it uh, moved on to play behavior. I think it's developed into something that we call a fad, 
which is we've seen with killer whales in other parts of the world. There's an example from 1987 in where I used to study them in uh, British Columbia, where salmon were um, being held on the top of the head of the killer whale, and and it became popular. And there were a few other killer whales that started doing it, and and then it died. What just for you know it was a thing. It was a thing, you know. And the the fun the funny thing is that these are mostly uh, juvenile males. Maybe like teenage males, I don't know, and that are doing these kind of things. I mean, they do learn if they're looking at their mother all the time and they're picking up what she does. They're getting a little bit from their their siblings, and there is some evidence with these whales um, going after the rudders that that there are quite a few younger individuals. The seas off the coast of Spain and Portugal are famous for their tuna. The coastal city of Cadiz has an annual festival which celebrates the country's tradition of high-quality bluefin tuna, the species of tuna that orca like to hunt. There's a theory that the orcas are using boats for hunting practice because their prey has been depleted. There is a more innocent theory, though. And who knows, it could be a kind of a a practice thing. You've got a a, a boat travelling at about the same speed perhaps as the bluefin tuna. I mean, I know bluefin tuna can go a lot faster too, but but that could be a, um, you know, the rudder is, is like a fin protruding, you know, and they're grabbing hold of that. Although we might never know exactly why this is happening, orca experts are sceptical about the idea that the animals are being aggressive or taking revenge. Even if the why is not entirely known, Eric is clear on one thing. These are not orcas attacking humans. I don't think they're attacks. I don't, you know, they're certainly not going after humans. You know, it may seem to you if you're in a sailboat that they're going after you, but there's no case of these whales killing a human. And in fact, there's no case anywhere of uh, killer whales killing humans and it and except in captivity. But that's another another story. With but in the wild, there's no case. And I think that. The thing is, they're they're going after these sailboats. It's mostly sailboats, and they have these rudders. Uh, as soon as the sailboat stops, they lose interest. If there's resistance on the rudder in terms of the the tiller, they can be more interested in it. You know, in terms of damaging the rudder. So I think I think part of it is maybe almost like catching a ride. We do have evidence of them catching a ride. The advice to humans is to stop the boat, as Augustine did. It doesn't always work, but once there's no resistance, the orcas can lose interest. Unfortunately, there's a growing body of evidence that suggests some sailors are attacking orcas to get them away from their boats. In one video, it looks like a boat off the coast of Spain is shooting at orcas, or perhaps tossing firecrackers into the water. Apparently some are carrying firecrackers, and there have been some shootings. There have been two killer whales that have died in the last, since 2020 when the, when the whales um, first started this behavior, but we don't know if it has anything to do with you know, anything that sailors have done. 
To combat this, guidance is being issued, advising sailors to stick closer to the coasts to avoid orca pods. But with attacks increasing and sinking starting to happen, the risks to sailors and boats means there's a danger of escalation. Orcas are a protected species, hunting in their natural habitat. Killing them is a prosecutable offence. And while Eric has sympathy for the situation sailors are facing out in the ocean, it is a case of sailors understanding their environment, just as the orcas are arguably trying to understand theirs. It's understandable that that humans want to take action into their own hands, but I think we have to, you know, respect the the wild and 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 uh, try to accommodate behaviour. The incident with the firecrackers was filmed in August. It's being investigated by the Spanish authorities. But if you spend any time on online sailing discussion forums, it's clear that a number of people believe in retaliating against orcas using fireworks. Hannah is worried this could all escalate. My, my biggest concern about the outcome of this new phenomenon uh, around the Iberian island is if people in the area lose their interest in conservation and caring for killer whales. Until now, it's, they have been the icons of the region. There's a pride in locally in having this uh, critically endangered part of killer whales uh, around their coast. Obviously, the killer whales need this. There are so many threats to them already. So if people, because of this, lose their uh, interest in caring for them, in, in preserving them, that's my biggest worry. So far, the orca encounters have been, for most people, something of a novelty. Some costly damage has been done to boats and some have sunk, but there have been no signs of the orcas wanting to harm people. What's strange about this behaviour is that it's so persistent. In the days of industrial whaling, when millions of whales were slaughtered, a whale would sometimes attack boats, but it happened much more rarely than these encounters. And as the number of confrontations between orcas and humans rises, the risk of death, either to orcas or humans, is also increasing. More than that, the changing reactions to these attacks is a sign of a shift. Yeah, I used to love them. <laughs> I think they're incredible creatures, but it really gives you a respect for just the sheer size and power of them. Um, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to do any damage to them. If, if I encounter them again on my boat, I will defend myself and my boat as much as I tried to before. Um, but I don't agree with the manner in which some of the discussions are going with regard to, um, you know, hurting them or getting rid of them or, and stuff. Well, I think we've, we've always had a, a complicated relationship with killer whales. I mean, when I first went out in the 70s, they were still uh, being shot at by fishermen because they thought they were taking all the fish. You know, they were feared. We have a, we have a complicated relationship with predators, <laughs> full stop, on this planet, you know, because they are the, in a way, challengers to our own existence on land and on sea uh in different various different ways so killer whales are the top predator in the ocean and that's you know it's going to be a complicated relationship it's amazing to me that you know you had this uh, creature that was taken into captivity and suddenly became the the lovable sea panda which wasn't true either you know i mean that they, they diffused a lot of the killer reputation but they created a 
another kind of monster, which wasn't true. You know, the Shamu, you know, lovable. You know, you hug them and kiss them and ride on ride on them and everything else. So, so we we've you know we've gone through a lot of stages with our relationship with killer whales, and I think that、uh, this is another stage of that. Wildlife should not be punished for being wild. Humanity's response to a serious threat from the natural world is usually to eradicate it. Across Europe, large carnivores like brown bears and wolves have been hunted to extinction. We've come to understand that orcas aren't here for our entertainment and don't thrive in captivity, but we're still thinking of them in human terms, as creatures that want to take revenge, or, as the meme has it, are taking part in an uprising against people. The challenge now is to accept a wild creature's wildness. This episode was reported by me, Jeevan Vasagar. The producers were Patricia Clark and Matt Russell. The sound designer was Sam Mbatha, and the editor was Jasper Corbett. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Slow Newscast. If you like what we do and enjoy our podcast, then please do leave us a review or follow us. Does what's going on in the American election scare and bemuse you in equal measure? Want to know what Biden and Trump are up to without tearing your hair out? Then you need to listen to American Friction, the brand new podcast about the countdown to the big vote in November, from the makers of Oh God, What Now, The Bunker, and Paper Cuts. Every Friday, we'll speak to leading experts and blockbuster commentators from the United States to explain the latest news and the big issues behind the vote. That's American Friction with me, Jacob Jarvis, me, Chris Jones. And me, Nikki McCann Ramirez. Out every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.